On 96.7 on your FM dial, you might be listening to actual radio, or you could be listening synchronously through Radio Player to CKLU. This is also available as a podcast. Just Google my name, Hugh Cruzel, and the word podcast, the program, QOL, or quality of life. And as you know, quality of life for me includes food, drink, and travel and a number of other things now my guest vin greco or Vinny greco uh vinny i know i know he's going to say it's in my blood it's in my culture vin you've been drinking wine all your life i think and you've been talking about wine as far back as i can remember why is that i'm not sure why i um why i've been talking about it other than i've enjoyed it my first experience with wine would have been uh as a child, visiting my Aunt Rose, and we would always get a, an inch of red wine and about four or five inches of 7-Up, and that was, that was the start of it. Sounds, sounds a little bit bigger when you say 2.5 centimeters rather than an inch. It was, it was but we didn't know <laughs> centimeters in those days. You've been involved in education most of your life, uh, adult life. You know, it is actual, I mean, real formal education, like working in the uh, schools of Ontario, but it is your passion, your wine, where we came across each other and you taught about wine. How long did that go on? How did you get there? I, I didn't really, I haven't really done a lot of actual wine instruction. I've, ha- I've done uh, dinners and tastings with with. Uh, a lot of different people over the years. My my real interest in it and in wine, I would say probably the epiphany came when uh, one of my friends back in the late 1970s uh, happened to give me his secondhand Hugh Johnson primer, his annual the annual mm-hmm. uh, book that Hugh Johnson put out at the time. And that, he was getting the next edition. I got, got his old one and started turning the pages and pages. And it was holy smokes! What about? I've never heard of this. Oh, look at this! And page by page. And ever since then, I've been uh, hooked. Well, and hooked you are, but you've also hooked many other people onto the world of wine. You've uh, you've uh, attracted the attention of many people, not just because they had discretionary income, but because they had. A desire to understand geography and geology and and food culture. My my feeling is that the wine wine is a wonderful wonderful piece of work. <laughs> it's a wonderful drink, and there are so many different kinds throughout the world. And we are really blessed in Ontario with the LCBO. Though many of our uh, other wine writers may not feel the same way, but it really has made available to average Canadians wonderful wines from all over the place. We live across the river from Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. The wines available to us compared to what they find in in their shops and stores, you know, is uh, mind-blowing. Uh, and yet we tend to think of America as being... So much that's there that's good and affordable. It's, it's, not, it's fun to be able to share that with people and direct them towards things that they might enjoy. Mm. It's funny, we tend to think of uh, America in a, a very broad stroke as having more options and better prices. But, you know, you're, we do have to applaud the LCBO. And the, I can go to Atacokan or I can go to Red Lake or I can go up to Timmins and the products are the same price no matter where I am across this province. Well, that's, that's right. And I can order if there's something I want that, that might still be available from a warehouse, I can order it and have it shipped to the 
to my store, and if I spend fifty dollars all told, I get it shipped for free. So that's that's pretty good. I've had uh, I have a few quarrels with the LCBO from time to time. Today I wanted to order a couple of bottles of port on the the new release, the February Classics release for my grandson. Of all the wines that were uh, listed, they hadn't put the ports up for sale yet. Why, I don't know. Who knows? That's one little beef. And the other one is I understand they've eliminated the advanced product search Uh website. And I don't know why, because it was for people living anywhere. If you're looking for a bottle of wine that isn't at your store, you can find wherever it is in the province. So True. I've driven all the way to North Bay uh, to to get wine that was not available here because they're not shipping between stores right now. And they're not doing home delivery at this moment, although they have in the past and maybe they will again in the future. Uh, You can pick up, well, you can pick up at stores. Uh, I want to dial back the clock, Vin. Uh, You know, when was, you say you're not involved in wine education. I always felt you were. I felt I learned a lot at your knee or just in conversation with you at any point in time. And I'm thinking back to Sue Licious back, I'm going to say four or five years ago, and you were at the Ermatinger house talking about wine. Do you remember that day, evening? I remember, yes. And uh, Mary Ludlow was really the driving force behind Sue Licious, and she she really helped a lot of people get involved in wine, too, that way. And, uh, you know, I write been writing columns online or in the Sioux Star, and that, of course, I think is educational, too, and trying to let people know about the, the, what's happening in the world of wine and and what de, what developments there are, what are some great wines to look for. For example, two of my favorite go-to wines right now that, I, that come through vintages, one of them is Glenelli from South Africa, and it's going to be on the February 6th release. Glenelli was established by Lady Maid de Langsang, who used to own the top second-growth Pichon Comtesse de la Lande in France. She's in her 90s, but she sold it and started this operation instead in South Africa, and you can find terrific wines at very reasonable prices. The same thing goes for Chateau d'Angle, and it's in the south of France, and the winemaker there, the, the family that owns that, uh, he was the former director or winemaker for Chateau Lafitte Rothschild. So here we're getting wines made by some of the best winemakers at a fraction of the price you would have paid for their original wines. Well, isn't that part of the point of all this, too? It's having knowledge. It's knowing beyond the cork, beyond the label, the history of something. It does sound a bit of wine geekdom. You use the word Syrah, uh, or in Australia, although Syrahs is used here as well. We need to have knowledge. Knowledge is the key to all of this, isn't it? Knowledge is power. <laughs> That's a good a good Latin proverb, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the other, my, my other favorite Latin pro- proverb uh, comes from Cicero. And he said? Out Bibias out Oh no, what does that mean? Either drink or leave. Well, I mean, it is going to be dry February, perhaps. Uh, I don't know if this will be broadcast still in February, but uh, dry January used to be around the corner right after the holidays, and, and now it's extended. Uh, there is a, a sense also uh, in the, the wine world of, of controlling your consumption, being aware that, yeah, I often think, 
A bottle that's 750 mils is perfect for two people, but maybe it's too much. Maybe in today's world where we're watching consumption, have you noticed any changes in size formats? People are buying 500 mils, or I've seen little Tetra packs that are out there now. I think that you're going to find some of the smaller packaging popular, but I think it's more popular for its um, portability mm-hmm. and for the, than for the amount of, of its contents. You know, the, there was a French paradox, and people were being told that, that wine is good for you. Just yesterday, there was an article in the paper saying, well, that may not be true. You have uh, different ideas of how much is acceptable, uh, and it has a lot to do with your physical size. Uh, one, the standard, I guess, it seems to be for, for men, 15 glasses of wine a week. That sounds there wonderful. Is that, is that, are you prescribing that? I'm not, I'm not prescribing nothing. <laughs> you know, Finn, I must tell you, 15 is probably more. But, you know, we're talking about not just wine. Although I don't think you've turned your nose up to wine in a box or wine in big formats. But you are looking for taste, value, experience. You you aren't just drinking first and second growths, are you? Well, I, I rarely drink the, 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 the uh, terrific wines. I have some in my cellar. And there's some that I've got to open because uh, it's either that uh, or while opening them now is giving them mouth mouth resuscitation. They've been around for a while. Too long. Normally, I'm looking for wines in the in the in the 15 to 20, maybe now even going up to the 25 dollar range. Mm-hmm. That's just because my range is going up because the price of wine seems to be rising incrementally, you know, bit by bit. So no Screaming Eagle in your uh, in your collection? Uh, no, no, not quite. <laughs> okay. One of my cousins just sent me a picture of a bottle of wine he had received, uh, Fontotti's Flacianello, which is not in our stores. He's in Santa Monica. He's a motion picture producer, and he is just producing a, a movie called Music uh, with the uh, singer... The singer Sia has written, and it's been nominated for Best Picture in the Drama Comedy category of the Golden Globes, and starring Kate Hudson, and she's been nominated for Best Actress. Well, Kate just brought over to him this bottle of Flacianello, and I looked it up, and it's a fantastic red uh, Italian wine, uh, pure Sangiovese, $120 or so U.S., Although that's something you may be aware of, Hugh, Italian wines in Ontario tend to be less expensive than the suggested retail price of them in the United States. This is correct. Now, you don't just drink, we talked about French wine, now we're talking Italian. You don't just drink either of, you're not stuck on those two. You talked about South Africa. Is there a place people should be looking to for incredible, we're going to talk about Ontario after, but is there some other, are there some other countries we should be looking at? Well, definitely Portugal. Um, we're starting to see better and better wines coming from Portugal, and by that I mean we're starting to see the liquor stores, certainly in vintages, carrying wines in the 25 and $30 range. You can find fabulous wines for under $15 from Portugal in vintages, and the ones on the regular list are probably going to be under 10 a lot of them, and they're still excellent. I would say Portugal is... Uh, is probably the, one of the countries that uh, offers the best value, and, and Spain, too, is right behind it. What I don't try often enough 
and don't necessarily see a lot of uh, is uh, Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. There are more producers. Uh, I'd like I'd like to see more from uh, Slovenia and um, Romania. That's right. Yeah, and uh, and I think that they've got um, you know they've got great great wines being made there, and it would be good to be able to uh, experience them too. Austrian wines seem to be a little more expensive, although their Gruner Veltliner is uh, a, a terrific dry white wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There used to be a marvelous... Uh, Portugal's the, the one to look to right off, and South America, of course, is always... Uh, Chile, Argentina, Uruguay, uh, unexpectedly, sometimes Brazil. Uh, it is interesting there are more popping up from more countries do you remember the sparkling wine from hungary from hungervan i believe it was a, a marvelous it was called hungaria and it was oh seven dollars and seventy cents only 10 years ago yeah well i mean i haven't i i don't remember it i remember some of the hungarian wines there's another example of wines that we we should be trying more of and I imagine if we saw more of them uh, p- uh, coming up through vintages, it would uh, pique our interest a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We're, we're a little unfortunate here in Sault Ste. Marie in that uh, the, the percentage of wines on each vintage's release that we receive would probably be about 30%. So there's always uh, a good portion of the release that uh, doesn't quite make its way to Sault Ste. Marie. So you've got to be a little bit of a fanatic to search them out ahead of time and try to purchase them online. But um, it means that we don't always get or rarely get the wines from the, um, the less, lesser-known countries, even Greece. Uh, even Greece, yes. Wines, you know? I agree totally. Well, let's turn uh, the, our, our compass a different direction. Uh, for you, uh, by plane, it's uh, just over an hour and four minutes, uh, uh, to Toronto and, and beyond that to Niagara, or you could drive down in the, the good old days, pre-pandemic, drive down I-75 and, and turn and, and go up uh, towards Toronto, but you could come to Sudbury, uh, and, and around to Niagara. Let's go there. When did you first discover Niagara, and, and what were you amazed about? Well, I think I've been aware of Niagara since uh, the days when the Stores like Barnes or Shadow Gay, you know, you had these uh, these little wine shops that were available for people to buy wines. The wines weren't very good. And that was at a time when if you wanted to buy anything at the LCBO, you would walk into this big room and there's no product around at all. You'd fill out a little sheet with a number and uh, somebody would go into the back room and get it for you. But I've known about uh, Ontario wines uh since then, and then, of course, uh, probably as as the industry grew, I was aware of it probably close to the beginning. For example, with Inniskillen and and uh, Don Zeraldo and the the uh, Spec Boys at Henry of Pelham and Rife Estates, and uh, and then, of course, there was this explosion, of course, and. Today, I, I can't even tell you how many there are. Somebody corrected me recently when I used a number and said it was blah, even for the Okanagan. And they said, oh, no, you're way off. There's so many more. When's the last time you went to Niagara? Where did you visit? Uh, it's been a while since I've been down to Niagara, and I really do have to get back. The last place, 
this is a good story. One of the last places I visited was Stratus. Oh, yes. And uh, what had happened was uh, we'd gone down for uh, one of my wife's cousins was getting married. So we had gone down. was just outside St. Catharines. They're actually married at Vineland Estates. But we um, had some time, and I said, I, my sons wanted to go to the Butterfly uh, Conservatory near Niagara Falls. So I said, well, let me off here at Stratus, and I'll, I'll find my way over to Rife, and you pick me up there. Two hours later, they ended up at uh, Rife, and no sign of me. <laughs> Where were you? I was still at Stratus. I'd walked in. <laughs> I was beginning to taste wines there when uh, Charles Baker, their marketing manager, yes. spotted me and yelled across, Vinny, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and they, he actually had a private tasting going on with uh, the winemaker and the gentleman from the LCBO, and he uh, hooked me in with that. So I had a beautiful tasting there, and uh, eventually my wife and sons found me still relatively sober. <laughs> and uh, they got to taste some of the good, excellent Rieslings. And, but it's a fantastic winery. And I'm also very, very keen on um, the kinds of things they've been doing with Artera and uh, Jackson Triggs. Absolutely. I find that their Grand Reserve wines really can compete. Um, on the world stage. On the world stage. And, and the value is there. You're talking about wines that retail for roughly $30 a bottle that will compete with wines from other countries that, that might be um, tw two to three times as much. Right. We're going to go for a quick station identifier here, Vinny. We're back, and this is CKLU. My name's Hugh Cruzel, and my guest today, Vinny Greco. And as you've probably gathered, he is in Sault Ste. Marie. Large Italian population in Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, do you find that affects the choices that are on the shelf? It certainly does. Uh, you, find, you find a great range of, uh, of Italian wines from the less expensive right up to some of the um, the super Tuscans, uh, you know, your Tignanellos and uh, great Barolos and Brunello de Montalcino. But you're also seeing wines that we would not have seen 10 years ago. Etna uh, Rosso, for example, though these uh, superior wines from, from Sicily. Mm -hmm. So and, true. And the white wines, uh, People are people know Chardonnay, they know Sauvignon Blanc and Riesling. Well, you look at Italy and now, and you're finding wines like uh, Fiano d'Avellino. You're finding uh, other white wines, Pecorino, Vermentino, uh, Greco di Tufo. It's the list goes on and on, and it's the same in in un, unfamiliar reds as well as whites. And and our stores are are, are carrying a pretty good range of them. One of the, I tell you, I'm always looking for bargain wines. There is a wine, Fantini Farnese Montepulciano d'Abruzzo, which is on the regular list shelves. I believe a 750 milliliter bottle costs 8.45 Canadian. The same wine last year was uh, found in United States Wine Spectator magazine, which is probably the most popular magazine in the United States for wine. They had it in. And as a best buy, gave it a mark of 88, which is very respectable for wine in this uh, category. The suggested retail price was $11 U.S. 
So seventeen dollars, sixteen dollars and change Canadian. Yeah, and we can get that. We can get a liter and a half bottle here for uh, for fourteen dollars. So well, folks, there's a recommendation from Vinnie Greco in Sault Ste. Marie. And Vinnie, you've not only been in print, you have done some radio too, haven't you? Uh, I did uh, years and years ago. I, I was on for two summers on uh, Radio North, and we would. Uh, we would have a wine of the week, and it was it was a lot of fun when we did that. I remember so well listening to it and marveling at the fact that you would, as a job, if somebody had said to me when I was a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I had answered uh, sommelier. I, I think I think I would have been laughed down. But, uh, you know, astronaut, hockey player, did you ever think that this would become more than just a passion project, a hobby? No, I never did. I never did intend to set out to do anything, but opportunities arose. And I am, I consider myself a teacher. I was in education for almost 40 years. Basically, I see what I do with my writing and my letting people know about wine is just more of the same. I, it's certainly not a an occupation. It's certainly not something I look to make, make money at. <laughs> I do it because I enjoy it and, I, and it's fun to share. Where can people find? Can Do you blog? Do you do any of those things that people are doing today? Twitter, Instagram? The only thing I'm doing right now is on Sue Today, S-O-O-T-O-D-A-Y, SueToday.com. I have a column and they pre-COVID, I was just writing about wine. Now they've asked, would you do food? So basically I write about food. My wife's a terrific cook and we Put in every second Wednesday, there's going to be a recipe or two with uh, recommended uh, beverages to go with it. And I also uh, finish off by mentioning some wines that I think people should be looking for in the upcoming vintages release. Sounds very realistic. Sounds very more than perhaps a, a professional would do who's involved in a journalist or such. You're sharing the story of your own journey, your family's journey, what's on your table. It's it's real. It's not made up. I, I love it. Well, thanks, you. And my the intention, too, with the, with the recipes, uh, anything that we're pointing out, there needs to be something that... People can make. That people can make. If I can make it under the guidance of my wife, who... <laughs> Uh, if I can make it and if we can find the ingredients and so we don't have to scale Mount Everest to look for a, a little flower growing there uh, to, to make the dish complete, you know, then, then I can use a recipe. Well, you've got Pinot's not far from you, uh, the grocery right. store. They have a great selection of... Uh, I've stopped in and thought, why can't grocery stores in Sudbury have all the things that I find at Pinot's? Is that right? Well, we, it's, it is really a, a great Italian... Uh, store. We also have a, a, a number of little smaller Italian markets. One of the, the best ones in town is Paisano's. And they have a terrific, it's a butcher shop. They have takeout. They have a fantastic range of cheeses and other Italian uh, food products. So it's a, they don't have, they don't carry vegetables, you know, fresh fruit and things like that. But it's a lovely little shop too. Vin, I have to ask the question. You know, you were in education for, uh, um, you know, 40 years. Why has there never been a really good, you know, we had home economics at one point in time in schools. We do spend the bulk of our life as adults. Why has there never really been an adulting 101 in high school where there was an exposure to good food, good cooking, and wine? 
part in France or Italy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, true. I, you know, it's just, uh, you know, all I can do is speculate. And of course, we're coming from a, an education culture that has been more, um, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic, you know, preparing people for uh, preparing people for occupations. And that still seems to be the case. Finney Greco, you have a philosophy. Um, I, I imagine it's, it's quite probably unique because, or maybe it's not, maybe because you've got 40 years of, of teaching and, and many years of, of enjoyment of life and wine. What is your philosophy? I found that school was a place to learn, but to learn about life. I was fortunate, you know, back in the, in the 60s when I went to university that a university education was still one where you were learning to learn and you, you developed a, a broad background, whereas in more recent years, people have been um, going to school, they've been focusing on the, basically on, on the job that their education was going to be able to get them when they finished. And while you can't fault that, it certainly uh, created, creates a far narrower um, philosophy, a far narrower, far narrower perception of uh, what's going on and what can be going on in life. And, and uh, I love to learn, I love to read, and uh, I love to drink good wine. <laughs> Were you ever tempted to do the WSET courses or, or things of that nature? Uh, no, not really, because frankly, I find that I can find a whole lot to learn about wine and... Uh, Let's just keep it on wine, just by, by through books, through um, what I find on the internet. I visit a lot of um, different wine sites, and there are always interesting articles. Um, and there are always interesting things happening in the world of wine, and um, I've never really been uh, interested in getting a professional. Um, Certification? Meditation. Yes. Because there's, there's nothing I intend to do uh, or have really intended to do with with my wine interest where I would want that kind of accreditation. To. Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to say something, and I hope it doesn't embarrass you, but uh, you influenced me enough that I would say this is now 35, 38, 40 years have gone by since I first met you, and here we are talking about wine. So your influence has rippled through my life. Well, thank you, Hugh, and and, and I hope that it that it helps lots of people, and and that's where I get my pleasure. Somebody says, "Hey, I tried that wine you recommended. It was really good." You know, and the um, first the first thing, is, of course, is you know what should we be drinking? And I said, "Well, what do you like?" Exactly, that's a great question. You know, drink what you like. Uh, you know, drink what you like, and and it might be something that I would. Not even look at twice, but if it's what pleases you, then that's all that matters. Well, all wine is good, only some is better. Some is better, and uh, uh, one of the stories I often tell has to do with uh, the white Zinfandel. Uh, that the blush wines that are very sweet, and uh, there might not be anything that I would want to pick up off the shelf, but if it hadn't been for the blush Zins, we might have lost a lot of the wonderful red Zinfandels because it wasn't selling at the time, and the white sin was a way of using those grapes, and it took off. I think it's still the biggest 
selling wine, one of the biggest selling wines in uh, the United States. Glen Ellen, for one, and certainly the Mondavis uh, might have used it a little bit, but our friends over at at the the much larger uh, Italian uh, influence company have done uh, remarkably well with that. Uh, oh, right. man. You know, Sutter Home, I think. Might Sutter have Home been, was yeah. another one. Glen Ellen, yes. Was maybe one of the originals. Definitely. The family. Yes. You know what, Vinnie Greco, what a Great pleasure to have you today on CKLU's program, QOL, with me here, Hugh Cruzel. And you can be on my podcast as well and follow along. And, and you know, we've had many great wine uh, people who have influenced uh, this industry and influenced our choices. And Vinnie Greco was one of the ones who influenced my life and my enjoyment of wine. And every time I went to Sault Ste. Marie, uh, I, I sought out Vinnie Greco if he was doing a course or if he was doing a dinner or, or uh, just to have a call. Vinnie Greco, thank you so much for being our guest today here on QOL. Hugh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And best of luck with uh, all that you're continuing to do. Thank you so much. Bye for now, folks. This is QOL. This is Hugh Cruzel.